Before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to let you know that I am looking for 50 people with Hashimoto's. If you have been diagnosed in the last 10 years and you feel lost or confused about exactly what to do, then I want to invite you to join me for a free training call on Thursday, May 16th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, where I will show you how to support your thyroid for your thyroid type and your specific Hashimoto's triggers. You will also find out how to lower your thyroid antibodies and how to get to the bottom of all of your thyroid symptoms, the weight gain, the fatigue, the brain fog, the inflammation, the hair loss. Please go to inatoppler.com slash Zoom call to register, and I will send you all of the call details. I only have room for 50 people, so please be sure that you register at inatoppler.com slash Zoom call and get your spot right now. Meet Elise. She's 37, and for over five years, she's been dealing with super low libido. She saw multiple gynecologists who tested her hormones, but all was in check. When I met Elise, I reran many of the hormone panels because the tests and labs I use get much more in-depth about hormonal markers than traditional labs. In addition to her sex hormones, which are estrogen and progesterone, I tested her thyroid, cortisol, pregnenolone, and DHEA sulfate, but all came back normal. I also looked at her FSH and LH as imbalances there can signify perimenopause or early menopause, which sometimes can cause low libido, but they were fine and she was getting regular periods. So we couldn't blame thyroid, hormones, or menopause on this. After speaking to Elise further, I noticed that even though she was the one that brought up the libido issue to me and asked for help with it, She felt extremely uneasy talking about it and seemed super embarrassed. She would actually giggle every time we would say the word sex. I also saw how busy her life was and what seemed like two different lives she and her husband were leading. I knew we had to dig further and find a few more missing pieces to solve this health mystery. Every year, thousands of people are told there's no explanation for their health concerns and no way to fix them. They feel frustrated undermined and lost. I know because that was me before I figured out the actual causes and reclaimed my health. Now I help others do the same. I'm Ina Toppler and this is Health Mystery Solved. As you just heard, Elise has been experiencing issues with her libido and as she puts it, it's non-existent. After evaluating all her hormones in depth and not finding anything wrong, we knew that was not her answer. I had a sense that her relationship with sex, her upbringing, and also her really busy life were all intermingled and had something to do with it. So we needed to dig further. And join me on the show today to discuss Elisa's case further is Lauren Handel Zander. She is the co-founder and chairwoman of Handel Group, an international corporate consulting and life coaching company. Her coaching methodology, the Handel Method, is taught in over 35 universities around the world, including MIT, Stanford, and NYU. Lauren is also the author of Maybe It's You, Cut the Crap, Face Your Fears, Love Your Life, No-Nonsense Practical Manual that helps readers figure out not just what they want out of life, but how to actually get it. Lauren had spent over 20 years coaching thousands of private and corporate clients and has been featured as an expert in tons of publications, including BBC, Forbes, Dr. Oz, Business Week, and the Huffington Post. She's also one of my trusted mentors. 
Lauren, I am so excited to have you. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited for you. So before we get into the nitty gritty of where some of these issues are coming from, let's first talk about why this is important. Because in terms of medical mysteries, we often think of, you know, getting to the bottom of what's ailing us. So things like aches and pains or other discomfort. And many people may not put libido in that category. And in Mm -hmm. fact, that's why so many people that are dealing with low libido issues don't even bring it up to their doctor. So Lauren, why is libido an important part of health and why is it something that we need to look and explore? So I profoundly care about um, a healthy person having a great sex life and what it, and what that means to them versus that they have three kids, they gave up on sex. Like, like, what do you mean great sex life? Like that was so my twenties, right? <laughs> like what, like, or, or teens or not even at all ever. Right. And so for me, the enjoyment of life and the depth of having a romantic partnership, not just a business partnership with your husband or wife is critical to the depth and viability of a great relationship. So I care immediately and always, no matter how old you are. Now, aside from biochemistry and hormone balances, which are what most people relate to libido issues, what are some other factors that could contribute to low sex drive? Um, (laughs) uh, Humans are fundamentally lazy once you like took, took, so people are lazy, right? And sex is something that really requires a shower. It requires um, being into it. It requires intimacy. It's it like it doesn't. It's not that it necessarily takes so long, but in an evening where you worked all day, or in the morning when you're getting up and dealing, right? Sex is you know competing with gym time. In my like, and when I study people and get them to keep promises, sex in the gym are are like the big ones I make people confront. Yeah. So <laughs> when you say that, what do you mean? Especially when you say when you have people make promises. Most people. So when I when I work with an individual, I deal with making a person have a dream or a vision in all areas of their life versus how they live with an area being less than satisfactory to their enjoyment of their life, to the fulfillment of their life, right? So to work with me as a life coach, you're literally getting into designing your whole life. And so what happens is, is no one designs, I have sex once a month, (laughs) 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 right? No one designs, I can't remember the last time I had sex with my husband or felt like he was attracted to me or I was attracted to him. No one designs that. That is literally, I have no libido, right? What happened to me, right? No one go. And then also right next to that is no one really is going, oh my God, I'm dying to get to the gym. How much fun? Like only people in really good shape go, I'm dying to get to the gym. It's most people are not dying to get to the gym. They wish they were dying to get to the gym. They wish they had a good libido, right? Like, like who would take the libido pill? Everybody raise your hands. Mm-hmm. I would. Yeah. Right. There is no libido pill unless you tell me there is one. Right. So then what I know is that I need a promise, which is what you had asked about. Right. So a promise means I know that I have a dream. My dream is to have a hot, sexy sex life with my husband. We've been together over 20 years. And so hot and sexy went out for us, like instinctually, like eating each other up on purpose when we got home. Yeah. That went out in like the, you know, 
early 2000s, right? Before three children, before everything landed on us, right? Which, so we have to carve out the time. Like I go to the gym and I need a promise. I even need a consequence, right? So that I don't get away with being lazy or putting it off because when you know you're going to be with someone for the rest of your life, and I really want to be with him for the rest of my life, I could have sex tomorrow and tomorrow never comes, right? And then it's been a month. Right. And so that then makes the relationship stale. And if you go, why is my relationship bad? I will go, when was the last time you slept with your husband and how consistent or wife and how consistent has it been? And I know that that trails back to the beginning of the end of a relationship or the boredom in a relationship. Right. And of course, from there, that's going to affect everything else, including your physical health, your mental health and everyone around you. Now, in Elise's case, uh, there's a few factors that I saw that I think kind of related to some of these other factors. But one of them was what you're speaking about. So both she and her husband are very busy and they worked almost opposite schedule. So they were like, you know, ships like crossing and not really seeing each other. Um, So this concept that you talk about of personal integrity, making a promise, can you give an example of how Elise would be able to use this and then what you mean by a consequence to be able to actually put this in practice? So two people, like, so they need to, there needs to be an agreement, right? Like, I think we're not having fun in bed anymore. I would love to have fun in bed. Great, great. Why don't we make sure we have a date night or sex once a week? or play together once a week. So both, you know, Elise and her man need to agree that they're doing this. Okay. And that it, that it would really be great and helpful and who's going to initiate and how like you literally, it's like, we're going to have date night. We're going to go out for dinner. Right. If you, if you're like, if you create a plan and you, and someone's accountable for the plan, no different than get your kid to soccer. Right. You, you plan it. Right. So the husband now assume the husband and the wife made a date night and date night includes getting it on. Okay, great. And then how that night turns out. Right. And so we put the kids to bed. We'll watch a movie. We'll give a massage. We'll play like so something gets created. My joke is all sex needs is clean people and a candle. (laughs) right? Maybe you could add music. Come on, let's go. Right? Like it doesn't take much to create the mood. And so it really is that promise. Now, the funny thing for my husband and I, because we really have a promise for twice a week, is both David and I, who we love each other very much, the consequence I need is take away my screen time. Does that make sense? Like, I don't get that Netflix show I'm watching. Right. So if I haven't gotten laid by Wednesday, right, I do not get screens Thursday or like until I do it by Wednesday, I get nothing. So by Wednesday is my first act. And then by Sunday is my second act. Right. Of And then David and I are in it together and we both lose screens. So the consequence keeps us managing our promise, which is really our vision to always connect sexually speaking. Mm -hmm. That's it's so funny, but it's also so effective. And, you know, from what you're saying with this consequence, I mean, it's not something obviously that's very, very detrimental, but at the same time, it's, you know, something you enjoy. So it's taking away something that you enjoy. And obviously it's not that you're going to have sex because you want to make sure you watch TV, but it's just a nice little thing to. Oh, oh, you are nicer than me. <laughs> you are giving me, 
you're like, I, I no, it's really like going to the, I have the same promise with going to the gym, right? <laughs> like I have a consequence if I don't go to the gym and I need the consequence because I'm not, cause there's a different, like I'm not fat, right? I don't, I'm, I like have a good body, right? But that's very different than making sure I exercise, right? And so I could give up a week of exercise and like my heart might not, like it's not good for my health, but I certainly, my vanity won't kick in yet. Does that make sense? Like it's not for vanity reasons. So be, because of how snarky that really is, right? I have a dark, like I call all that, I make fun of all that in the handout method that that's my dark side. My dark side is like, as long as I look skinny, who cares if I exercise, right? And that's <laughs> gross, okay? <laughs> like I don't respect one word of that sentence, except I'm capable of being that person in a half a second, right? Mm -hmm. uh, next week, right? So I, any place I'm not being true to my dream, I have promises and consequences. And so sex, health, ready? Everybody breathe. It's going to be disgusting. Playing with my kids. Uh-huh. I need a promise for that too. Oh boy. Right? <laughs> so I need it for everything, right? Because I'm like into my own world, right? And I'm spoiled and want to just do my own thing. And so now that's not, that's also, I'm a workaholic, right? I'll talk to a client. I'll do, like, I'm into many good things, but to take care of things that I think are right and that are a little more vulnerable, sex, or like annoying getting to the gym and going to work out, showering after, like, I'm a little lazy. So I think humans aren't telling the full truth of why they're putting things off that they know are good for them, but are more like good for them in, in concept, but not in the moment to moment, I want a cookie, I'm going to eat it. Right. So in Elisa's case, I know that she's complaining of low libido, but what you're saying is it's almost like the chicken or the egg, right? Is the libido low just because it's almost like the pilot switch is just completely off. And if she's not in a regular routine, then it kind of just goes away. Right. I, I thank God I don't get to hang my hat on the concept libido or you, do you understand like libido? I don't think there, I think there are people who have better libidos than me or worse libidos than me, but that has nothing to do with whether I can keep a promise to have sex with my husband twice a week. Do you understand? Like my promise doesn't care about my libido, gotcha. right? My promise you know, so if I don't know, like it would be fun for me to come do your tests and find out I could like get some better hormones <laughs> because then maybe I'd want to have sex three times a week. Right. But I am not waiting for libido, just like I'm not waiting for vanity or exercise ambition or even, even going to bed. Right. Like I need a promise for a bedtime because I can stay up late. Like the way I don't take care of myself in ways that are really healthy is hysterical, right? I need promises and consequences for lots of things that I'm glad I don't get to blame anything. Like I'm a night owl or 
you know, I'm not in the mood or I'm in a bad mood or I, you know, I deserve a cookie. Like I don't get any of those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, when it comes to sex drive, it is one of those things that you may not feel like you're in the mood, but if you never do anything about it, how are you ever going to get in the mood? And so I think what you're saying is really so important that you make that promise, you commit to it. And then it's like this cycle that happens, you know, and then that's going to lead you to, you know, because there's hormone production that happens once you're in it that then kind of gets things going. So it's turning on that pilot light. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, the minute David and I are no, no excuses laying in bed and the lighting is right, we have the best time. We never regret going in, right? We're always just lazy about getting to that position. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think this is so common. It happens to so many people. So this is just so helpful to hear. Good. Another thing that I noticed about Elise is that every time, even though she came to me asking for help with her sex drive, when we would talk about it, she seemed kind of embarrassed and uneasy. She'd actually would giggle every time we'd say the word sex. And so I know that in your work, you look at things like epigenetics and you look at lineage. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about that and how can this uneasiness be related to what's happening and how could it be affecting her? So most humans, most humans, especially Americans, especially American women, right, are in the weirdest hang up about sex, right? Whether you were like, so epigenetic, like, so the when I really explore a low dream, like your area of sex and your vision for your sex life is not wild, fun, having the best time exploring, right? And really just engaging. Once you make the promise, then me and my honey can go play, right? So assume I'm not giving you the rated X version, I'm giving you the rated PG-13. So imagine that twice a week we're getting it on. So what happens for me when I'm coaching someone is that the minute you say sex to an individual, they have all their hangups, right? Are you proud of how, like, are you proud of your sex life? Have you done everything you ever wanted? Can you fantasize? Do you even talk to your, do you even know your family's history? Do you know your mother's history? Do you know, like I make a person stop having sex be the most awkward subject for them on earth. And you're like, how many people need like to get unawkward about sexuality and talking about it and their own vagina? <gasps> Did you say that word? Right? Like, like, I, I haven't met a client that didn't need it. And I make people go have the sex talk with their parents, including their father, right? Including me with my Orthodox Jewish dad, right? And how, <laughs> what does that accomplish? Um, how does that help? Because that's a very interesting conversation I could imagine and something that I don't think a lot of people have done or may yeah. want to do. <laughs> So the interesting part of the Handel method is that the way to get free and know yourself fully is that you're not hiding or reserving questions or, or making any subject taboo. Okay. And, and if you're frigid-ish in the area of sex, you're cut off, you're not into it. It, you, you don't even appreciate that you have a clit, right? Like you don't care, right? Like you're like, why are you talking about this? Right. 
that is not the way we have to remain on earth, okay? That is like, thanks, Puritans and religion and my mother, like the 50s, right? And so my my lib- my dream is to liberate humans to be free, to tell the truth and to ask for everything they want and to enjoy life fully. And so sex is an area, especially if you're married, that you could have so much more fun in. And yes, I really do make people. And, and the connecting the dots that I'm doing is part of why you're so uptight is because you can't talk about it. You can't ask questions about it, but neither can your mother or father with you, with you, with them. And so when I went and explored, you know, first of all, I found out that my mother was not a virgin. No, no, no. She, my mother, who is 82 years old, so you do the math, when she, when she was 15 years old, had sex for the first time. Does that sound like a good girl? Everybody shake your head. No, that doesn't. Mm-hmm. No. Right? Like, yay, mommy. Right? So, like, is she a bad person now? Like, she, like to get my mother to tell the truth and to get my father, who also was not a virgin, nobody was virgins, right? Like, everyone was lying, they were. And everyone had hysterically interesting sex stories. And here I am at this, at the point where I did it with my parents, I was already in my late, you know, I was already in my 20s. Like, obviously, no one needs to be, like, there's no secrets anymore. Why are you keeping secrets about who you slept with or what you did? Why? Why are you staying awkward? Why do you need your kids? Don't you see that'll make your kids awkward and everyone awkward? And so I refuse to have that awkwardness, like as if my parents had ever been alive before. And then the other thing that was always interesting was I couldn't love my parents more and I couldn't know them less, right? Like, wait a minute, if I don't know my mother's whole love life, do I really know my mother? If I don't know my father's whole love life, do I really know my father? Like, and why isn't he allowed to tell me? And everyone goes, I don't want to know. And that's because, and then that just shows you how six years old we still are when it comes to the bedroom. And then see why you can't ask your husband or your playmate or anyone to do anything for you in bed. It, the whole area has still been hijacked by the church. And so I'm like, let's take back our body parts. Right. <laughs> I okay. That was a very long rant. I apologize. You got me all foam. You got me all crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate that. And again, this is not something that people really talk about. And you're right. If we think about our best friend, let's say, right. Um, you know, someone maybe we went to high school with or college that, you know, we're still friends with. I mean, we know everything about them. We know about their boyfriends. We probably know about their sex life because girlfriends chit chat about that and we're very close with them. So and it doesn't seem strange or odd in any way, but like you said, I don't think most people know their parents' sex life. And like you said, it's like, oh, do I want to know? I don't know. This is really weird. But at the same time, you know, your mother and father are one of the closest people to you. So why should it be different? I mean, it's such a societal kind of thing. Um, Yes. It's like, what's it called? It's called an, a a societal imperative, like because it came before you, it's being perpetuated. And then the other thing that's really important, which is like um, how I really hook a person to do it is I remember this one story where my client had had three abortions, right? 
And I was like, wow, that's a lot of abortions, right? Like no one taught you birth control. Like who has three, right? Like, you know, stick an IUD in it, honey. Right. Like what's up with that? And she's like, I like, and it was all religious based. And I go, I know you're not going to believe me, but can you please go confess that to your mother? (gasps) She'll kill me. I'm like, it's all over already. Right. You've had kids, you've been divorced. Like it's not a problem anymore, honey. We're talking about virginity and back in the day and your mother's like, come on. Right. And can you find out if your mother ever had an abortion? Because you've had too many of them. Like, see epigenetics, something's fishy here. Guess what? Mom had an abortion. Mom never told the story. Mom broke down hysterical crying and finally confessed like this shame she had her whole life. Right. And so the the mommy and the daughter, like, like I I to this day. If she even, you know, if she could hear this podcast, she'd call me like, Lauren, it was the best. Like, like, so the, the love that happens when two people stop pretending with each other and find out the mother-child connection, right, is epigenetic, right? It just, it just changes everything to a spiritual context from like, don't tell, lie, keep up appearances, fake, Right. And, and there, and we're human beings deserve so much more juicy intimacy than fake pretense. Right. Right. Absolutely. And so in Elisa's case, you know, because she felt so embarrassed to talk about it, your thought is, if I understand correctly, is that it's likely due to how her parents probably talked about it, or I should say not talked about it. A hundred percent. And so your answer then would be to have Elise talk to both of her parents about their sex life, which you then think is going to be liberating for her to be able to then be more open about it. Is that correct? Uh, That is totally correct. And then there's this weird assumption, like, like, you know, one of my favorite lines is, um, you know, your dad has a penis, right? And they're like, yes. And I'm like, you understand men jerk off their penis, right? They're like, yes. And I'm like, you understand they're not doing it to no fantasy, right? (laughs) Like you understand humans are not like, I don't know if your mom masturbates, but the odds are still that she's had a whole sex life and you just don't know about it. Just like you, right? It's like, you know, to teach people that their parents really do want to tell the stories and do have a whole history also evades people right? Like, let your mom tell you her story. And you know, what's interesting about that, and I've had people tell me that as much as they may not want to do this, and as much as they feel ridiculously awkward, uh, to say the least about doing that, what they found interesting was that their parents were actually quite open about it. And it wasn't nearly as awkward as they thought. And it was them that was making the conversation awkward. And then it was, you know, really liberating afterwards. Yeah, it's, I don't know that the, in all my years, and I mean over 20, um, people, it is an awkward conversation, but after you have it, there's a, there's a bond and a connectedness that feels like the hugs get more huggy, right? The, the giggles get louder and the depth of love each other. And we like went into that area. I'm not saying have it 10 times, right? But it literally alters your chemistry and your molecules to um, break through intimate conversations with anyone. 
So, and I, you know, anyone that you love that you don't know what happened to them, whether it was their divorce, whether it was, you know, getting fired, right? Like you're, the more they get to tell you the story, the more close you will feel after that intimacy, even though it might be awkward or make emotions happen. (laughs) It's still like real live action. And most people are being like, are talking about traffic or things that they've prepared, right? Or that they're comfortable talking about. Yeah. I go for everything behind that door. (laughs) Right. Um, So since many of these issues of low sex drive from what you're describing are not really biochemical, I mean, sometimes they are, but in in Elisa's case and many other uh, people that are listening think it's not biochemical. So we can't necessarily take a blood test for them, right? How can people find out if they have some of these underlying factors, whether it's the epigenetics or it's this sort of kind of laziness that you mentioned or any of the other factors, um, you know, that lower sex drive, you know, is there questions they can ask themselves or there quizzes they could take? What can they do to find out? So in my coaching method, we ask you to have a vision, like there's a process that I use that gets a person to take all the right actions in their life that are true to your dreams, right? And so some people leave sex, like the area of sex for dead, right? And so they killed their libido, killed their sex life, or got divorced and basically got over it. And if you're really happy and you don't want a partner in your life and you don't want someone, that's like, I don't need you to resurrect an area. Like, I don't need you to learn guitar if you don't care, right? Sex is really something that I think is enlivening. And so if you're not having it, the odds, and you have a Uh, like a husband laying there or you got someone with you, it's because it's, um, it's vulnerable and you're not getting vulnerable. Right. So the first thing you do is you admit you quit, you're blaming, you're a victim, you're a martyr, right. You're blaming something like the first thing to do is admit you care and you're blaming. And if you could, and then, and then come up with a dream, a vision, right. And then make a promise right? And your promise might be, well, my husband and I really need to talk about it, or I really am awkward about sex, right? And I swear it's, um, there's sex books out there, right? There's, there's so many things, um, to do that will, that will turn you on for God's sakes. You can even watch porn. Okay. So (laughs) ha 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 (laughs) ha. Right. But first care, then start to deal with it with your actual partner or figure out if you want to go find a partner and and get a buddy and start to make good promises in your life. Right. You know, it's very much what we do in the handle method. Right. It's it, it. We make you a face all of these things. And it's a step by step process. But um, I believe anyone can change their libido with a promise and a consequence. And that's so good to hear because so many people feel really stuck there and feel like, well, if it's not my hormones, what is it? What can I do? But from what you're saying, it really kind of resides in you and you want to actually, you know, the first step is realizing, okay, it's not where you want to be. But I love what you're saying about making that dream and really kind of writing out, this is what I really want because so many people don't even know how to really 
know what they want and how to properly dream. So, yeah. So I think that that's such a, such a, a big, important point. Um, and then from there, like you were saying, we would then want to make a promise, come up with a consequence and then look to see if we do feel awkward about it, what's in our lineage and, you know, take that step and talk to your parents. Um, anything else, <laughs> anything else people um, can do in addition to these things? If you're not having sex in your marriage and it's been a while, then you could bet you you and your life partner have laundry lists on each other and and it and it kind of goes into a state of of kind of dis- disappointment and sadness and then maybe we're getting all like and then you don't want to address it i just i just want you to know that your one conversation from be like getting help like no one wants no sex life he doesn't you don't right? It's just the first person to go, we need to talk about sex, right? Like that, we need to talk, right? Is, is like that, like the first blurt is the most important. First be upset, then blurt, then solve, right? And so if any, anyone listening to this who isn't getting laid every week, my truly, I promise you're missing out and it isn't because you don't have the 20 minutes. Right. Right. Yeah. And from what you're saying, it also is not we can't just blame low libido. And and I think this is what I I really kind of want to pause and make sure that all my listeners hear this. It's, you make your own libido from what you're saying, Laura. So you have to work on that. Um, you know, you can't wait for other things to come. You have to actually start somewhere and then things will take off from there. You're either making sexy time alone with yourself or with your partner, or you're shutting yourself off, right? It's, it's really something to create with yourself. And sex is truly a pleasure, Bahaha, right? And so if you've cut it off, call yourself out on it. We get lazy. Humans get lazy. And that is the dark side, right? Where we're we're not we're not even going for like we're not giving ourselves lots of things that are self-love. And sex is self-love, whether it's alone or with your partner. And if you're not having any, I swear you're you don't feel good about it. So admitting the upset first is so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much for saying that. Lauren, this has been so enlightening. <laughs> I appreciate you so much. I appreciate you being here and talking about this and helping everyone understand that, you know, it, it's not just about trying to figure out the biochemical, but it's all of these other aspects that affect libido and that you actually have to start taking action. You can't just wait for it to happen. Lauren, thank you so much for being here. Really appreciate it. Uh, I love what you're doing. I love your commitment to people and their well-being in all ways. And I know you're going to build a beautiful world doing this podcast. I'm excited for you and happy to be in your first like 20. (laughs) Yes. Thank you so much, Lauren. Bye, hon. As we just heard, our mindset, inner dialogue and upbringing can have a huge impact on our health and our libido. I'll tell you more about what we did for Elise in just a second. But first, if you want to contact or find out more about my guest, Lauren Handel Zander, please visit healthmysterysolved.com and go to episode number 11. 
There you'll find all the detailed show notes so you could reference everything we talked about and the links to all the resources, including Lauren's online course. She was very generous to give a discount for any of my listeners and all of that information is gonna be there for you. Now for Elise, I worked with her to get to the bottom of the underlying embarrassment she felt and it stemmed from not talking about things with her parents. We worked on some mind-body connections with shame from my work with Mario Martinez, and she also took Lauren's course and had a very interesting homework assignment of speaking to her mom about sex. She was reluctant, but she did it, and it actually opened up a lot for her. Working through all of this, she started to feel much more comfortable, and between that and paying attention to her inner dialogue and opening up to her husband about all of this, she was able to overcome it, and now her libido is better than ever. She felt extremely freed by this and said that even though it seemed like her libido was low for the last five years, seeing where it is now, she realized that it was actually low her whole life. So she was really missing out. Now, if Elisa's story sounds similar to you, take a look at some of these underlying things Lauren discussed. Of course, every person is different. So if this is not your issue and you have not explored your hormones in depth, ask your practitioner about running a full hormone panel. You want to look at estradiol, progesterone, testosterone, and DHEAS. Those are really ideally done around seven days post-ovulation. So typically that's going to be around day 19 to 23 of your cycle if you're cycling. If you're not cycling, then it can be run at any time. Depending on the levels, there's ways to support low estrogen through herbs such as black cahosh, and there's a formulation I love called FemGuard Balance. Progesterone issues can be supported with herbs like chase tree. And if you have low DHEAS, then you need to explore your adrenals as they can play a large role in libido and hormones. And in some cases, supplementing with DHEA can help, but it's something you want to do while working with a qualified practitioner because those levels need to be assessed properly. Thyroid can also play a role in libido. So ask your practitioner for a full thyroid panel. And I have a lot more information about this from my interview with Dr. J in episode number three. So if you missed that one, please have a listen to learn more. If Elise sounds like someone you know, please share this episode with them and make sure you subscribe to the podcast because the next health mystery I uncover could be one you or someone you love is dealing with right now. As always, when it comes to solving your health issues, no matter how complex they may seem, don't give up. The answers are out there and there is hope. I'm Ina Toppler. Thank you so much for listening. See you next week on Health Mystery Solved. All information, content, and material on this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified physician or healthcare provider.